Morning. I love it when other people do the announcements. Because one, I don't have to think about it. And two, they do such a much better job than I ever do. So thank you, Kate. Uh, let me also say this to you. Thank you for those of you who give. Your faithfulness makes the fact that today, while it's raining outside, or it was earlier, we get to be inside. And so uh, thank you. Uh, that's what these little uh, flower pots are for. Uh, and also, if you would like to help out, there's wonderful people who help out with setting up stuff and uh, the kids' ministry and all kinds of different things. Uh, preparing communion, Rosie does that. If you'd like to be involved and would be willing to volunteer for anything, if you would see Christy. Christy, would you stand? Or Mary. Mary, would you stand? Yeah, just, she has no clue, because she wasn't listening to my announcements. <laughs> Sit down. That, that's, that's why Kate did the announcements. Wonderful. Just see them, and they'll point you in the right direction or connect you to the right people. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I want to start with Luke 9, 1, and then we're going to actually come back to that. I'm going to start with the end and then go back to the beginning and come back to that at the end. Uh, I didn't know how to actually do this so that it made any sense today. You're probably used to that. Every week you say, I have no clue if that made any sense. Uh, I go home on Sunday and I think, wow, I sure didn't communicate that really well. Fortunately, you guys have, it's the Holy Spirit who leads us into all understanding. And so the spirit of revelation, he's much better at that. Lord, thank you for your word. We just uh, delight that you've given us your word. But we also thank you for your spirit who leads us into all truth. And we recognize that we need both. It's not just the word without the spirit. It's not just the spirit without the word. And so we thank you for both. And we open up our hearts to you that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 9, verse 1, and then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them power and authority and he sent them to preach and to heal. We're going to come back to that. Turn with me back to Luke 8. Because that's actually not the beginning of a new chapter. It's the end of the section that goes before. And too often our chapter things make us disconnect it. But Luke 8, this whole section starts with uh, verse 4 of Luke 8. And when a great multitude had gathered, they came to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on rocks. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And he said, and when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I wonder if Jesus is still crying that today. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? They obviously didn't have ears to hear. (laughs) Bad news for us if they missed it, huh? And it says, to you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He's speaking about the kingdom. And then he explains the parable of the sower. And basically, verse 11, and the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. That actually means the gospel. It doesn't mean the word. I don't know how often we've, I've heard sermons about uh, someone who preaches the word and does it fall on good soil or bad soil or is it choked out. It's actually talking about the gospel. And the point being, you're not responsible for the soil. I don't know how often I've actually heard that as well. You need to find good soil to sow the seed into. It actually said the sower sowed the seed. The reality is that the sower sows the seed. He doesn't make the soil. He doesn't make the seed grow. He just sows the seed. So he makes this statement about sowing seed, and then he gives us three stories. They start in Luke uh, 8.22. There's a couple little side things in there that we're not going to get distracted on, but it gives us three stories. The first one is from Luke 8.22 to 25. There's a story of the wind and the waves obeying Jesus. They get in the boat to cross over. You know, those of you who know the story, uh, and he was asleep and they were afraid and they came and said, Master, we're perishing. Verse 24, and he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Uh, And verse 25, he said to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, what is Jesus doing? He's demonstrating something of his authority. And they were afraid and marveled. The next story, they then sail across the, uh, to another country, across the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, uh, that's opposite Galilee, and when they step out, there's a man who's demonized. And the whole story, his name is Legion, and Jesus sets him free. Uh, and verse 35, at the end, all the people, and they were afraid. They also who had seen it told by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. He who had been demonized was healed. Again, something of the authority of Jesus. Verse 37, and the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So something of Jesus demonstrating his authority over the elements and over the demonic realm caused people to marvel and be afraid. And then it goes on from verse 40, and we're going to read this one. This is the third story. So it was when Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting. Jesus had gone across the the Sea of Galilee. He comes back, and all these people had been waiting for him to come back. They saw him go. They're just sitting there waiting, and they were excited, and they welcomed him. Behold, there was a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, 
about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But he went, but as he went, the multitudes thronged him. So this guy comes and he asks Jesus, come to my house, heal my daughter. But Jesus, on the way, he's being crowded out by all these people who had been waiting for him to come back. And they're thronging him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? Basically like he's saying, everyone's touching you. And Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. He said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. And we just point out a couple things. There was a multitude there waiting for him. They welcomed him. They thronged around him. But power didn't go out from him. Were they seeing him as a celebrity? Were they excited? Let's kind of put this today. How many of you came to church today thinking, I'm excited that, to, to see Jesus. Maybe he's going to show up today. But there was one woman in the midst of that who pressed in and touched him. And power went out from him. There was something that happened. Other places, it says that he touched them. He laid hands on them or he touched them, people who were sick or people who were blind. In other places, it says, but there was something of a connection. I'm not sure whether it's important that Jesus touches us or we touch him. But the reality is there's something of that connection that releases his power. Power went out from him, Luke 6, 19. There's another time it says that, and the whole multitude sought to touch him. For power went out from him and healed them all. I want to make some things very clear here. The power was in Jesus. But Jesus then says, your faith has made you well. Understand this, the power wasn't in the faith. The power was in Jesus. But the faith to press in and touch him, the connecting with him, released that power. We tend to have a one or the other attitude the power's in God, he'll do whatever he wants, he'll touch me whenever he wants. I'm hoping that maybe as Jesus comes by, he'll reach out his hand and touch me. But then when sometimes we swing the pins to the other side and we think it's all us. It's my faith. If I only had enough faith. The problem is it's not either or, it's both and. The power is always in him. 
But there's something of our reaching out to touch him. It's something of faith on our behalf. There's something of our not just being excited about Jesus' presence, but actually pressing in. We have a small group that meets in our home uh, on Wednesday mornings. And a lot of times we spend time praying. And one of the guys was just sharing about this. And he said he realized that in his thinking, it's almost like there's a line that he can cross over and be in the presence of God. He said, I don't have to do anything, but I realize there's a difference between standing back and watching and crossing over and touching. And he knows. He's learned. Is that ringing or is that just me? Is my, is my, my brain ringing? <laughs> I want to ask you this morning. Were you waiting for Jesus? Were you welcoming his presence? But are you standing back as part of the crowd? Or are you willing to press in and touch him? See, his presence, connecting with him, is where the power is released. That's why our worship, the, the team that leads us in worship, our focus is so focused on his presence. It's not what's the latest, greatest song. It's not what do we prefer, what will make us dance or have fun. It's what does he prefer that his presence is then released. Because it's his presence that changes us. It's his power. Jesus is here. We sing a song that says Jesus is here right now. Jesus is in the room. Would you touch him? Or allow him to touch you? I uh, grew up and my mom was a gospel music lover. I'd come home from school every day. I was the first of the kids. I have a sister and two brothers, but I was the first one who would get home, and I was very diligent. I would do my homework at the kitchen table, which is the only place in our house we had to do homework. But my mom would have gospel music on, so I listened to it, and I, I remember all the gospel music from the time I was young. And uh, there was a song that a group, the Bill Gaither trio, Bill Gaither wrote, old song that simply says he touched me oh he touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul something happened and now I know he touched me there's something about God touching us close your eyes for a second don't, don't hit me I'm actually going to sing that he touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, 
And now I know he touched me and made me whole. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Don't laugh at my singing. But while your eyes are still bowed, would you just step in? Would you touch him or allow him to touch you? He's here. His presence is here. If you felt on the outside all those words today, He bore our sickness, He bore our sin, He bore our transgression, our iniquity that we can come into His presence. Can I encourage you? Don't stand on the outside of the crowd. Some people are cheering. They're excited to see Jesus and see what he might do. But they're not willing to press in and touch him. Now Lance had shared a couple of things this morning, but in the prayer time he shared a, a picture that was right in line with what I wanted to share this morning. And that when we read that story of the woman pressing through the crowd and touching the hem of his garment, we get a picture of Jesus as a man with a robe and she's pressing through if she can touch the, the hem of his, his robe. And we often still have that picture. Jesus isn't that. He's the resurrected king of the universe. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's raised from the dead. We sang it earlier. He is here. He's the one we touch. It's not... The, the hem of his jeans. It's the king of all kings. And you can touch him. And he can touch you. I'm going to ask the guys if they come. We're just going to sing. Uh, huh? I don't know why we're going to sing. The end, end, not, not He Touched Me. They don't know that one. I was showing my age with that. Just, uh, just for the sake of understanding, that's the first time in all my life I've ever actually sang from the mic. And now you know why. And now you know why we have these guys. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand, if you can. And uh, worship is one of the ways we connect with him. Worship is one of the ways where we get our focus off of everything else and back onto him. We're going to just sing one song. Uh, but let me, let me tell you this, we're not finished, okay? This is an interlude just to allow us to, to connect with him and touch him. 
but we're not finished. This is all intro to, to the next part. So, no pressure, Matt, but uh, fix up the...